Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So we're in an unusual time. I mean, there's never been a year like 2020, let's be honest. We're facing things that, that, that we haven't faced. It seems like things flip on us. So my message today, I've got a question for you. When did negative become positive? You know, right now, the best news you'll ever get is, sir, you're negative. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what everyone wants to hear with these tests? You know, how many of you have had to be tested for coronavirus? I've had to be tested. I've gotten close to some things. And I remember going in, tell the truth. When you walked in and they started walking at you, didn't that Q-tip look that big? I mean, tell the truth. That nurse is coming to you. I thought, my God, it's that big. And once they stick it in your nose, come on, tell the truth. Once they get started, let's be honest, it looked that big to me, didn't it? I mean, by the time they got through, I thought, my God, they got a baseball bat up my nose. It's a very unusual time that, that we're living in right now. We want to be negative. <laughs> we, want a, we want a negative report. So, so when did negative become positive? Well, during this year, it's, it's been like that. And, and I remember <clears throat> very clearly, well, you know, when they tested me, and, and after they, you know, that Q-tip in my brain had a close encounter, huh? You know, I think right now, I was thinking about that sitting there. I'm sorry my brain works like this. After they had assaulted me, I thought, you know, I bet Jason Bourne could get a Q-tip and kill 12 men in one room before it's all over with. And you, know, you got a new ninja weapon uh, right there. So then you have to wait. You know, you're just sitting there waiting. You're like, man... You know, there's not a thing in the world you can do. I mean, you know, they tested me. I can't, I mean, you know, I mean, I was praying for one in, but now they've done the test now. Just got to wait. So you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting, you know. Finally, the doctor comes in. He opens the door and said, well, Mr. Sawyer, yes, I've got good news. You're negative. I'm like, yay, I'm negative. But then, then he just leaves. That would have been enough. But though he says, however, I said, no, don't give me the howevers. It means that there may be traces of coronavirus, just not enough for us to pick up. I said, no, I want it either or. Either I have it or I don't have it. Don't give me the traces stuff, you know. But they got to do what they do. How many are thankful for our doctors, our nurses, our medical professionals? Man, they're heroic. What they have done and are doing, we bless them. We pray for them. Uh, I'm going to tell you, our first responders, they have been amazing. But, but here we are. Think of this. You're sitting here only in 2020. The best news you'll ever get is what? You're negative. It's like, great. That's what I've wanted to hear. I'm negative. Well, you know, I, I, as I was praying through this, there, there are a couple of three things that I believe that this pandemic is trying to push upon us, not physically like the COVID virus, but spiritually and emotionally. I, there, there's, there are some uh, consequences, results, impacts, of living in a pandemic that none of us have really, well, none of us living have ever lived through before, that are trying to encroach upon our faith, trying to press in on, on how we are looking at ourselves and God and others. And so there, there are two or three things, let me want you to get this, that we need to test negative for spiritually. How many understand what I'm saying? There are some things, if we could get a Holy Spirit test, we need to test negatively for some things that Satan the life trying to put on us right now, some burdens. I, I thought of a fancier way to say this, a more professional way to say this, this first thing I want to talk about, to, to, to use different verbiage, but it is what it is uh, because I don't want you to miss it. 
The, the very thing that I believe that Satan wants to put on you right now, put on me, put on any of us in, in, in living in this culture, in this pandemic moment, is that he wants you to have an attitude of giving up and quitting. He wants you to quit. I, I believe what, what God wants to do for us is when we take a Holy Spirit test, that we're going to test negative for quitting. That the doctor is going to walk off and say, there's no quit in those people. How many understand what I'm saying? There's just no quit in them. Now, I tried to think of a fancier way to say that, but just my old homespun Arkansas stuff comes out. There's no quit in those boys. Come on, somebody say amen to that. There's no quit in those ladies. We tested negatively for quitting. Let me explain this to you, and, and let's look at some, some, some illustrations in Scripture, some real people who walk through moments that could cause you to say, I quit. We can't do that. We can't afford to quit. I want to look at the narrative of David's life. You know, often when we look at Scripture, I want you guys to really walk through this with me. Stay focused. We, we see these great heroes like David. He killed Goliath. He led the armies of Israel. He, he, as a young shepherd boy, he killed a lion and then a bear with his bare hand. We read about him leading the armies of Israel. We read about, it, we read about him sitting on the throne and, 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 and how God greatly used him. And sometimes we look at people like David and we think, man, he never had a problem. He never had a struggle. He never had an issue. But, you know, just like the doctor told me, Mr. Sawyer, you, you have tested negatively. You, you've te- you've, you're negative for coronavirus. However, doesn't mean there aren't some traces of things. You know, I believe when David walked on that battlefield and he looked at Goliath while he was taunting the armies of God, come on, let's be real. Let's take our rose-colored glasses off. Let's don't have a faith that just works on Sundays. Let's have an everyday boots-on-the-ground faith. Can somebody say amen to that? And I believe when David got his first glimpse of Goliath, he looked at that nine-foot-tall giant. Man, can you imagine the money Goliath could make in the NBA today? But that's another story. This nine-foot-tall giant covered in armor, shouting curses and taunts. And David's a young, maybe older teenager. And all he has is a leather strap and a rock. And he's, he's running into that. You, you, you can't tell me that in his human emotions, there weren't, weren't some traces of fear that ran through his mind. Come on, let's be honest. You, you, there had to be, you know, some thoughts, some fears, some traces. See, what I want to tell you is that the choice, the test of being negative or quitting doesn't mean we didn't have the opportunity to quit. Is everybody with me? It doesn't mean there weren't some challenges and some fearful moments, but we made a choice to trust God. David had to deal with that. I think about after God did so many great things in his life, it should be a challenge to every one of us keep our spiritual journey intact and growing with God. It's still hard to understand how he, after becoming king, could, could make that catastrophic decision to, to, to commit adultery with Bathsheba. How could he have done that? What was he thinking? What was wrong with him? And don't you know that when that occurred, that there were traces of shame and guilt and regret in his life? And don't you know it would have been easier for David just to walk off and say, I'm embarrassed, I'm, I'm ashamed, I, I'm, I'm just going to quit, I'm going on, I, I, I'm out of here. But there was something about David that I'm trying to get us to see, that he faced the realities of life, the challenges of fear or shame or guilt that are designed, I want you to get this, by Satan to make us quit, 
Do you know that's the only weapon Satan has that really works on you as a believer? Did you know that? Trying to convince you to quit. Let's look at Galatians 6, 9. Uh, A familiar passage, but I want you to see it again. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9. What do we read? Let us not become weary. See, sometimes running into the giants, getting back on your feet after a failure is tiresome. Let us not become weary in what? Doing good. Watch this. For at the proper time, the King James translation says, in due season, at God's appointed moment. Are you with me? We will reap a harvest. There's no question God's going to do what he said. What's the only qualifier? If we do not give up. Why don't you leave that scripture up for a moment? You understand that the only way you lose your harvest is if you quit. Do you know the only way the devil ever robs us of our destiny is if we quit? Do you know that the devil cannot make us quit? So he tries to convince us to quit. He cannot make you stop. He cannot make us quit. He cannot control the decisions that we make. But he likes to bring circumstances along so that we will quit because he knows that if we do not become weary in doing good, that there is a promised time coming for us. I want you to read here. It's on the screen. There's so many different versions and translations now. But I want to hear us read this verse together. Will you do that with me? Come on. You need to hear yourself say God's word out loud. You ready? Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up David's life is a picture of that over and over and over again it's so important that we make a decision not to quit you see there was a moment in David's life where he was running from King Saul now you understand I don't want to leave anybody out on this journey David was a young shepherd boy watching his father's sheep with an unusual call in his life as a worshiper to be a leader, to be a king. He, he was fearless and bold. He, he killed a lion with his hands. He killed a bear with his hands that were attacking the sheep. And God sent the prophet Samuel to his home and poured the oil of anointing on him and said, you're the next king. You'll be the second king of Israel. And David carries that call and anointing and he goes one day to check on his brothers fighting in the army. When he arrives, I told you, Goliath walks out and David sees this giant. David kills him with a slingshot, then cuts his head off with his own sword. David saved the nation of Israel that day. David became the leader of Israel's army. David served King Saul, but King Saul became jealous and insecure. Listen to me, guys. Do you know sometimes God's blessing on your life will call other people to resent you? Do you know sometimes because God's favor is on your life, others may not understand that? Do you know that the hand of God on your life may create insecurity in the lives of the people that are around you, but you keep your eyes on God? Can somebody say amen? You keep your eyes on God. David was serving. David was noble. David was sincere. David honored King Saul. But King Saul realized God's hand is on this young man. We read in Saul's account that that he disobeyed God and the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, had left his life. God's hand was on David. Saul becomes so jealous and insecure, he decides, I'm going to kill that young man. And so David is fleeing for his life. I want you to get this. He had done nothing wrong. He would committed no crime. 
He'd only served and been honorable and faithful to this wicked king that was attacking him. We find an account in 1 Samuel 30. We're talking about not quitting here today. About testing negative for quitting. And we find David in 1 Samuel 30. He and his band of men that are hiding from the whole army of Israel. Under King Saul's direction. They're in a foreign nation. They're in the city of Ziklag. And in this city they had gone off to fight. And as they journeyed back after three days. They walked into the city and they were in utter disbelief. Their homes were burned to the ground. Their, all their goods had been stolen. And worst of all, their wives and children had been taken captive. Why did they not kill the wives and children? They were going to do the same thing to them that we heard this morning in Project Rescue. They were going to become sex slaves, trafficked among the armies of that region. Their hearts were broken. They were overwhelmed. The Bible says David and these men wept till they had no more strength. It was probably the lowest moment of David's life. He's here because this jealous king is trying to kill him. He's done nothing wrong. And now on top of it, he comes back. His family's gone. His home's burned to the ground. And in verse 6, as if it couldn't get worse, David was greatly distressed. Why? Because the men, his own men, were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. But David has no one left. David has no one. His family's gone. His own men are turning against him. Death is imminent. How unfair. How undeserved. And yet I read this sentence. This is one of the most powerful sentences in Scripture. But David found strength in the Lord his God. The King James translation says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Do you know that sometimes life is not fair? Is anybody listening to me today? Do you know sometimes things happen that are unfair, that are unkind, that we didn't expect, that we don't like, but we always have a choice. Is everybody hearing me? We always have a choice. Most people would have given up at that moment. Most people would have said, God... I've not done anything wrong. God, I've been leading this little band of people. God, I've been faithful to you. I could have killed King Saul and I didn't do it. And now look at this. I give up. I quit. But remember Galatians 6, 9. You are going to have a harvest. God is going to answer your prayer. Just don't give up on him. So what does David do? I've got to turn to the Lord. You know what, church family, right now? I want to tell you who are here, and those of you that are online with me, and those that will hear this later in podcasts, I want you to know it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to give up. If you just won't quit, if you'll just say, you know, listen, I like to say it like this. I don't like where I am, but I still know who I am. I don't like where I am, but I still know who I am. I'm David. I'm called of God. He said I'm going to be the king, so I'm going to find strength. In the Lord my God. I'm going to encourage myself in God. There was something about David. He just would not quit. He, was, he tested negative for quitting. I wonder right now, as we're dealing with a lot of issues, if we had to have a Holy Spirit test, we're going to test and see if there's the quitting virus in us. We're going to be tested to see if we're contemplating giving up. I pray to God. 
that although we're fighting battles and although we're facing unprecedented times, that God would find in you and me a spirit that says, God, I've got some giants and I've got some problems and it's not fair, but I'm not going to quit. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to test negative for quitting today. You know, it didn't stop there. David was a man that was so distinguished because of his love for the presence of God. Probably developed while he was a shepherd boy all by himself. He not only had the heart of a warrior, he had the heart of a worshiper. He had a harp that he could play. The Bible says he was skillful. And not only could he play the harp and sing, he wrote many of the psalms that we have in our Bible, songs of praise to God. Many written as a shepherd boy, many written in other phases of his life. And you know, as David began to love the presence of God, you know, he said as king, he said, I'd rather spend one day in the house of God than a thousand days elsewhere. He said, God, your presence means more to me. I'm so thirsty for God as like a deer who's been running for its life, panting for water. David loved the presence of God. So the first thing he did when he became king, he said, I'm going to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. They had lost it in their backslidden condition. Another nation had it. He said, it's coming home. I'm going to bring the presence of God back. I'm not going to build a palace till I build something for God. I want God. I want the presence of God back. Have you ever been in a place in your life, you don't have to raise your hand, where you felt like you weren't as close to God as you were at one time? Have you ever walked through a dry season, a season where you said, I don't feel God's presence. It's like I'm not where I need to be. David said, I'm not going to rest till we bring the ark back in. So it was a big day. All the priests went with him. The whole army went with him. The musicians were playing. The choir was singing. The ark was on a cart being pulled by two oxen. And as the oxen began to move, the army began to praise. The worshipers began to praise. The trumpet sounded. The music was going. Cymbals were clashing. Man, it was looking good. They were excited. David was dancing before God. But then the oxen stumbled. The cart shifted. And Uzzah stepped up to to steady the ark. And he was stricken dead. Everybody stopped. What are we going to do? We we wanted to bring your presence back, God. And this has happened. They just put the ark over and everybody leaves. They go home and David is devastated. You know, there have been times when I've seen Christians. Come on, the church has got to rise up in these moments. And we have to say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to bring the presence of God back in my life. I'm going to bring the presence of God in my home, in my church, and in this nation. And David said, God, what happened? I don't understand. But you know what David did? David was not a quitter. David wouldn't give up. There was no quit in David. He said, I'm not going to rest till we have the presence of God. God, what did I do wrong? David got into the scripture and he saw, oh, it was never to come on a cart. The priests are supposed to carry the ark. So he goes back again. David will not quit. He said, I'm going to try again. Can you imagine how afraid everybody was? (laughs) The last time they did this, some guy fell over dead. The last time they tried this, it didn't work. 
David was embarrassed. David was ashamed. A man had died, and everybody just went home discouraged that day. But David wouldn't quit. He said, I'm going to bring the presence of God back. And I want to tell you something today. You that are listening by online and on site, maybe you've been in a backslidden condition. Maybe you've fallen. Maybe you've gotten cold in your walk with God. Maybe the presence of God's not there. Maybe you're not reading your Bible and praying. Maybe you don't sense his presence and you haven't wept in weeks. But I'm going to tell you, if you make up your mind not to quit, you'll find a way to bring the presence of God back in your life. You'll see his glory restored to you. And David brought that ark back into the capital city and the presence of God was dwelling there again. He just wouldn't quit. Someone has to decide for their family, I'm not going to quit. The church has to decide for America, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to pray. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do what I have to do till I bring the presence of God back in this nation. Maybe the hardest time David ever faced, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. I want you to turn there with me. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 16. This was probably a crisis that David hoped would never happen. There was a child conceived with he and Bathsheba. When the boy was born, he was very ill, very ill. This is the account. I want you to see it. You can relate to this at some point in your life. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted. He spent the night lying in sackcloth on the ground. You understand? Desperately praying to God. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground. But he refused. They were, king, you got to get up. You can't lay here day after day. You can't, you've got to eat something. You, 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 you have to get up. He would not eat any food with them. Verse 18. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us. We spoke to him. When we spoke to him, how can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. They had seen how distraught he had been. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child's dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. No, leave, leave it here. Leave it here. Go back to that. 19. They were horrified. What's he going to do? What's going to happen? This king has prayed and fasted. He's cried out to God. He wouldn't eat. He couldn't be consoled. He's going to quit, now I'm sure. He's going to walk off. He's going to get mad at God. He's going to shake his fist at God and say, you didn't answer my prayer. I don't know why you didn't come through. But to their surprise, look at verse number 20. This is what they see Uh, in verse 20. David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. Are you ready for this? He went into the house of the Lord And he worshiped. He went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Do you understand that this is not what they thought he would do? Do you understand how many people, come on, I got to help you here, have walked off on God in this moment? Do you know how many people I meet pastoring in North Alabama, a region full of churches and and, and, and probably eight out of every ten people that live here are in church at some time? But you know what they tell me while they're not in church? I was disappointed and I left church. 
I didn't get an answer to prayer and I left church. I didn't see things happen the way I wanted and I left church. And I want to ask you a question today. Listen, I'm trying to encourage you. I'm giving you some strong medicine. My question is, what is it going to take to make you quit? What is it going to make you take to make you walk off from God and get mad at God? I want to know what's it going to make. You know what? I want to wonder what I'm watching in the church in America today. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for people who would say, ah, we've had a pandemic. We've had the coronavirus. But as soon as I'm able, I haven't got used to sitting in my house. I haven't got used to staying away from the house of God. I'm going to worship. I'm going to go in the house of God. I'm going to get back to that place. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not looking for an excuse. David got up and worshiped the Lord his God. Then he went to his house and at his request, they served him food and he ate. What is he thinking? Watch this. His attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and you eat. Watch this. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. This verse says it. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. You know what David said? I'm not going to quit on God. He said, I can't go back, but I can still go forward. I can't bring that child back, but I can go to heaven and see him again someday. And I'm going to ask you this morning, and I'm going to ask everybody hearing this message, what's it going to require? What weapon is the devil going to do? What scheme is he going to use that's going to make you give up on going to heaven? I'm going to tell you in the name of Jesus, at Calvary Assembly, we're going to be in heaven together someday. We're not quitting on God. We're not going back. I may not be able to go undo that, but I can go forward today. I can't bring the child back, David said, but I'm going to go see him today. Someday I'm going to stand there. Calvary, I'm telling you today, we're going to have a holy reunion in heaven someday. We're going to stand before almighty God and we're going to say we didn't quit we didn't give up the coronavirus came and we tested negative for quit when the devil looked at Calvary he said there's no quit in those people they refused to give up how many are saying pastor I'm with you I'm in the army that won't give up I'm going to stand before my God someday my goodness now I want to take you to what I call (laughs) The unpreached verses of Hebrews 11. Everybody stops before we get to these verses. Because they're not as positive as the first half of Hebrews 11. There's a powerful statement here that I want you to see today. To those of us who by the grace of God, we're going to test negative for quitting. There's no quitting in us. Have we had some traces of fear? Yes, we have. Have we had some failures? Yes, we have. Have we had some hard times? Yes, we have. Have we had some moments where quitting would be easier, but what are we going to say? We're going forward in the name of Jesus. Come on. Now watch this. He's summing up this great hall of fame of faith. These men and women God used miraculously. Watch this. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah about David and Samuel and the prophets. He said, the great things God did, who through faith, look at this, conquered kingdoms, 
administer justice, gain what was promised, shut the mouths of lions. But these are some bad boys. Look at this. Quench the fury of the flame. Escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Man, look what faith will do. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others. Now, this is where, this is where the preaching stops. <laughs> this is where the shouting stops. This is where nobody preaches from anymore. But there were others. Somebody say others. There were others. Now, I want you to watch this. Who were tortured. Well, that's not shouting grounds, is it? Re- but look at this. Refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. You know, it says there were some who could have denied their faith and gone free. There were some who were imprisoned because of their faith, and all they had to do was deny it, and they would have been set free. But they said, we're holding on. I'm not going to quit on my God. There's a resurrection day coming for me. I'm going to keep my faith. Sometimes the greatest proof of faith is while you're waiting. Can somebody say amen? Faith's not only present when you get the answer. Faith is needed while you're waiting on the answer. They said, I'd rather die a believer than quit on my God. They faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. You see, that's why people don't want to read this very much. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two, the early apostles. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Hmm. But I want you to look at this next statement. Before you say they didn't have enough faith. Before you say they didn't have what it was taking. The Bible says the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. These men and women were so anointed, faithful, steadfast. No quit in them that God says this world wasn't even worthy to have them walk on this planet. Their footsteps, this planet didn't deserve to have them here. That's how great these men and women were. There was no quit in them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Do you see that? (laughs) They were commended for their faith. You realize they had enough faith. You realize their faith was so great the world wasn't worthy to have them walk on this planet. They were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Are are you realizing it didn't happen when they wanted it to happen? What's he speaking about? Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. In other words, these prophets in the Old Testament prophesied about the Messiah coming. They prophesied that Jesus would come. They prophesied salvation. They prophesied grace. They didn't experience it. They looked over the centuries by Holy Spirit revelation and prophesied that Jesus would come. They died in their faith. But he said, God planned something that you and I are going to be together with them someday. And we're going to celebrate. And we're going to go to heaven with them. And I'm determined, Calvary family, I want to know who's with me. I'm determined that when I get to heaven and these mighty men and women of God who gave their life to prophesy 
find me and say, George Sawyer, did you live in the end time? I'm going to say, yes, I did. They're going to ask me, did you see them, the, the salvation that came from Jesus? Yes, I did. Then they're going to ask me, did you preach that salvation? I'm going to say, yes, I did. They're going to say, were you faithful to God? I'm going to say, by his grace, I was. They're going to say, what happened when you preached what we prophesied? And I'm going to turn in heaven and I'm going to say, hey, Calvary family, come on over here. Let's start walking by these men and women who stood faithful to God. And we're going to say, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you refuse to quit, we are walking the streets of heaven today. I'm going to tell you, if the devil runs a swab up my nose, I'm testing negative for quitting today in the name of Jesus. We're just going to have to stand firm in this day. God is faithful. God is faithful. He's he's with us. He's for us in this moment. And I'm thankful that God will be there. You see, I, I, I don't have time. I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll teach it or, or preach it some other time. But, but Satan wants us to quit. He wants us to, to, to begin to take on this victim mentality. You know, I, I am who I am because what you did to me. I can't be what I want to be because this person did that. Because this person did that. I wasn't born in the right place. I didn't have the right name. I don't have the right family. I don't have enough money. I didn't have enough opportunity. Somebody did this to me. Something closed. This closed. That happened. I'm going to tell you something. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? We're not going to take on a victim mentality. You may do what you do, but I have a choice about how I'm going to respond to what you do. We're testing negative for the victim mentality. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Can somebody say amen to me? Listen, if we, if the grocery store runs out of food, we'll eat crackers and praise God that we're going. I didn't call you a cracker. I said, we'll eat crackers. If, if the grocery store runs out of food, we're going to, we're going to enjoy the presence of God. We're going to do what we can do. Why? Because we're testing negative for quitting. We're testing negative for a victim mentality. Why? Because God's promises are faithful. Amen. I want you to stand with me. I want the worship team to join me on the platform. I want to pray with us before we go today. I want to pray with you. God, we are standing here today, and we want to test negative, negative for quitting. We want to test negative for this victim mentality that's pervading. The devil may be coming at you with something that looks like this. <laughs> he may be walking up to your nose right now. You know what? Here's what I think. You know what? I don't want it. But if I get it, it's going to come out negative. Come on. Somebody say amen to that. It's going to come out negative. You just wasted your Q-tip. You wasted your time. Because I can tell you before it starts, we're negative for quitting. We're negative for getting up. I know that's plain language. I know it's, I, I, I know it's a challenge. But church family, if we don't quit, the promise is going to come to pass in our life. If we refuse to give up, we're going to reap a harvest. We're going to see the goodness of God. God is going to do everything that he promised he would do. Now, I want us to worship together. I want us to go back to that last song we were singing. I, I like the way the worship team, every one of them said, uh, you know, had their chance to sing that line. You know, I, I thought, you know what? Uh, that almost makes me want to step up there and sing mine, but I, I didn't do it. But I want you to sing yours right now. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to sing with them. And I want you to say, I want you to say, he's never let me down. 
you never let me down. Has God been faithful to anybody in this place today? I've got some prayers that aren't answered yet. I do. I've got some fears I'm having to face. I've got some giants standing in front of me. But you know what I've decided? I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. The only way I lose is if I quit. Listen to me. The only way my children, my grandchildren lose is if I quit. By the grace of God, I'm going to show them how to go to heaven. I'm going to show them how to serve God. You know, some of you in your biggest crisis, and people are watching you, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have all the right words. Listen to me. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Just get up tomorrow and go for it one more time. Just get up and go for it one more time. Sure, we have mountains. Sure, we have giants. Sure, we have opposition. I don't know how all this is going to work out, but God's going to bring us to the other side. Just don't quit. God, you've been good to me. You've been good to me. You never let me down. You've been good to me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.